Hello, and welcome to System Mastery. It's the podcast where we beat a dead horse 100,000 lucky punches at a time. We've got crane kicks. We've got spinning kicks. We got all the kicks you want. You'd think we were a footlocker. It's time for Dragon Lines. It's a RPG from Chaosium based on their basic role-playing generic system set in a fantasy China where everyone's kung fu fighting. Will we be able to defeat these villains? Find out on the next episode of System Mastery. Welcome to what is definitely a very special system mastery. We have a couple things to uh, make this very special. I am, of course, John. Jeff, not here this week. Uh, He has had a new baby and so does not have time to dive into stupid books like we normally do. Uh, so I've got two things going on. One, we do have a guest host, but also this is the first time where we have had a Jumbotron announcement. If you don't know, just head to our website at systemmasterypodcast.com. You click on give us some money and select the Jumbotron option on the page. Uh, then you just send us an email with uh, what you want. And we, of course, will give you all of those terms and conditions of what you can or can't say. Basically, just... Don't be a racist asshole and you should be fine. So today's ad is from Kyle Neert. Uh, He wanted us to let you know that he recommends you get some of the fine shirts called Critical Pride. They're on TeePublic or Redbubble. Uh, Awesome shirts designed by uh, Sibo Killy or Kaibo Killy. Not sure how you say it. (laughs) Uh, But they combine your love of nerdy dice, nerdy things and your queer orientation. So they look super cool. Uh, Whether or not you are queer or just an ally, uh, you can find these shirts through uh, either looking for a critical pride through TeePublic or Redbubble. The easiest way is we've got a link on our website, uh, or you can just use our short link here. It's bit.do, so B-I-T dot D-O slash critical pride. Uh, or again, we've got it on our website. There's a banner that'll take you right to it. And so they've got any sort of orientation you want on there, whatever you identify as, as long as you're a nerd, you'll find what you want. Uh, critical pride, whatever your flavor is, your pride gear for tabletop gamers, one for every orientation. And now that that is taken care of as well, our special guest host this week uh, coming all the way from Swallows of the South, where I am a, I mean, I would, I was about to say guest star, but I suppose I'm just an actual member of it at this point. But uh, fellow member of the Swallows of the South podcast, Josette is here. Whoop whoop. That is the sound of the police. <laughs> whoop whoop. That's the sound of the beast. <laughs> Hello. How you doing, Josette? I'm very well. How are you, John? I am fabulous. I assume I am better than you because you had to be at work all day and then drive in traffic, and I have been sitting around playing Beyond Two Souls. Well, aren't you lucky, you asshole? I am the most lucky. Hey, uh, since you have nothing to do probably tomorrow, you want to go babysit my trash sister? I really don't. (laughs) I was supposed to go babysit 
uh, a baby today and I couldn't. So oh, okay. I'm not babysitting anyone. That's I everyone around me has babies to sit and I don't and that is what I've pride myself on. Well, if it makes you feel better by trash sister, I don't actually mean she's trashy. I mean that she's a terrific, reliable adolescent. Yeah, I can't super <laughs> Horrible. Hero. <laughs> there we go. Hero is a much better word than the word I came up with. <laughs> My sister's a superhero. Go babysit her. She has a dog. Uh-huh. Also by trashy, or trash, you do mean trashy. Kind of. I mean, like, my sister dresses appropriately and wears appropriate makeup, but she's not a good person most of the time these days. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but who is? Who... Who among us could be said to be a good boy? Okay. Is it the dog, Asriel? It is. It is. Uh, and also Quinn. <laughs> Quinn's a good boy. Quinn is a good boy. I give him lots of paps, and I give feed him, him twice a day and brush him. I mean, I feed him more than twice a day, and I'm lucky enough that he brushes himself. Huh. Uh, so this week we have uh, Dragon Lines, which is a supplement to Chaosium's uh, basic role playing system. So. Uh, we'll just give you a general overview of the the BRP, the basic role-playing system, before we dive into this. Uh, I figured we'd do the supplement, the actual like setting and all the rules for that, instead of just the base game, because no one gives a shit about that. Like We haven't reviewed GURPS, but we've reviewed GURPS things, because no one cares about a generic system. But that's not fair, because even basic bitches try. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> does does the basic role playing game have rules for pumpkin spice lattes and North Face jackets? You know, it might. I have only ever read their quick start. Uh, so in the quick start rules for this, uh, it's fairly simple. If you've ever played a Chaosium game like a Call of Cthulhu or anything like that, uh, it'll be very uh very normal stuff. It's a percentile roll under. Uh, everything is sort of has the ability to like be based off of a stat if you don't have a skill. Yeah. And if you don't have a skill, that's really rare because even in their basic one, there are a lot of skills. Well, not having a skill is fairly simple because you have like, oh, you get 300 points, but there's like a million skills and every point is just a percentage. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, you know, you could make a skill and have that skill. And with the way the system's set up, like, if there isn't a skill in the book, you can make your own skill and dump in points there. Oh, good. I love when a system has, like, a hundred different skills and they're like, and you can just make up more if you want to. Well, thanks. I can yeah. make it even harder on myself. Yeah, like, I absolutely love it when I have a separate skill for punching and kicking and climbing and swimming and headbunting. It's it's great when you have... Also, did you just say headbunting? <laughs> it's my idiolect. Quinn does it, like, every time I say it. Quinn is like, I love you, but... And I'm like, there is no buts. It's a bunt. <laughs> no, no, no one is bunting with their head. No, no one is putting on a baseball helmet and being like, yeah, I'm going to get the first base by just hitting this baseball with my dome. Well, if you are making fun of my idiolect... It, ah, if you are making fun of my idiolect for that, just wait until I say other words later on. <laughs> uh, I've completely lost my train of thought as well. This bunting has destroyed my brain. You're welcome. 
so you get a you roll for your stats. Uh, base normally is a three d six for any given stat. Uh, sometimes you get a two d six plus six. And Free sixes. Whoop whoop. That is the sound of the police. <laughs> Uh, I wonder how many times that's going to come up on this. Okay, uh, so you get your standard ones are strength, constitution, size, intelligence, power, dex, and appearance. Which, man, fucking, fucking appearance. Like, they don't even have charisma as a thing. It's just appearance. Well, your charisma is based on your appearance. I know, and it's garbage. Oh, no, I absolutely 110% agree. Because I know a lot of really pretty people that have zero charisma. That is a super fucking mean thing to say about me when I'm right across from you. And I know plenty of ugly people that are super charismatic, like me. I know. (laughs) We've got the whole spectrum here at the table. Yeah, and we also have a super attractive person with good charisma. It's Asriel the dog. Yep, dog is so pretty and everyone loves him. Uh, So we have those. The interesting thing about the system is it gives you like generic roles that you can do based off of stats. So you take a stat, uh, multiply it by five, that gives you a percentage. And so... Like, the best ones on there, like, if you take your intellect and multiply it by five, it gives you a percent for an idea roll. Which is probably my literal favorite thing about the basic role-playing system. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, if you're just sitting there and the DM's like, all right, what do you do? And you have zero clue what is going on, you can be like, I'll make an idea roll for an idea. Yeah, it is really helpful if you have the poor misfortune of a terrible GM who is like, you will never solve my puzzle. In order to progress through my dungeon, you must answer me these riddles three. Yeah, and you're like, my character would totally know this because they're really smart, but I'm super fucking stupid. So I'm going to do an idea roll to get the answer to this riddle. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the problem is, even if I was like, Oh, I am smart, and if I sit here, I could, I could probably figure out whatever dumb puzzle it is you've put here. But that makes your game come to just like a screeching halt as you sit there with like a piece of paper going like, All right, if I move one block to the left, and then that drops one block down to the south, and you're like, can, can I just roll for this, please? Yeah, no, I once got stuck in a puzzle room in Exalted, like in an Exalted one-shot, And uh, it was terrible because, like, if we had something like an idea roll, we would have turned around and found that the actual thing we were looking for was above the doorway that we entered through. Yeah, that what you have been looking for was here the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) But it was Uh. one of those things where if we were actually in that situation, one of us would have seen an idol standing above the door frame, but we're not actually in the room and the GM wasn't at any point like, oh yeah, you should all thoroughly examine all of the walls. Yeah, I mean, that is a problem with trying to be like, you go into a room, roll perception. I'm like, if 
I'm trying to find a giant fucking idol above a doorway. Like, that's a thing that even if I wasn't being like, ooh, I found a small crack in a wall, I'd be like, oh, look at that. Look at that decoration up there. Yeah, it was real dumb. But uh, in the GM's defense, the whole one shot was about how we went to Hollywood to get the buzzword so we could jump the shark. And I literally don't remember the last thing, but it had something stupid about that idol. Wow. Yeah. That is, uh, that's definitely something. Oh, it was great. At one point, we were fighting a bunch of dragon-blooded, and we just started attacking the bridge because we literally couldn't roll to save our lives. Hmm. And so we're like, let's just destroy the scenery, we'll cut them off, and, uh, here we go. Yeah, when all else fails, just blow up the world, it's fine. Yep. I mean, we're exalted, we could do anything. So the other things outside of idea, each stat gives you something so you can get like a luck roll or an agility roll or your charisma roll based on appearance. Stupid. Uh, And then you get a bunch of derived characteristics like you do in most things. So you've got your damage bonus if you're big, uh, a move speed based on uh, how agile you are. Uh, You get your hit points also based on how big and tough you are. And then power points if you use them in a game, which Dragon Lines does use power points. It's got uh, them chi points or key points, whichever way you want to say it. I think it's key, but, you know, I'm white, so I'll say chi. Well, I speak Japanese, so I will also say chi, <laughs> except key also works because that's another symbol. Hooray! Yay! We can't win either way. <laughs> Uh, so in the base, you would just get some uh, points to put into that. You'd get some uh, background things. They have, like, depending on your age or, you know, your background, you can get certain, uh, like, advantages or disadvantages. So you would go through that, just put on all the little finishing touches onto there, and to make your character. Now, on Dragon Lines, there are some differences for starters, they do not describe constitution as your ability to drink an entire bottle of salad dressing. Which is a great little bit in the basic role-playing thing <laughs> where they're like, well, what does it mean if you've got a high constitution? Well, it means you can drink all this salad dressing. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's true. I don't think the people at like the Golden Corral that I'm watching just put their face underneath a chocolate fountain are high constitution people. Like, that's, that's not a thing. <laughs> but it's great. It is it is indeed the best dinner theater you can get to just go to the Golden Corral and watch the people be the worst at everything. Oh. <laughs> like, hey, I gave this child a plate of chocolate and mac and cheese and he is just slapping it. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> I went and I got some food and then I went and got another plate and that plate was just to hold my ranch dressing so I could dip things in it. That's that is too much ranch dressing. Golden Corral, everyone. Just I recommend it. If there's one near you, just go take a look. It's in the Golden Corral. Uh, so the one of the bigger differences in Dragon Lines is it is a baseline higher power game. Uh, you will usually start with uh, better stats. Most of your stats are two d six plus six instead of three d six. And also, you get... uh, You get, like, twice as many hit points? Yeah, like, there's, like, levels to the power of your basic role-playing games. You can be, like, low power, where you're just, like, regular schlubs. So, 
generally your Call of Cthulhu's where you're just walking around and you're like, I found a clue! Oh no, I've been eaten by Amigo! Yep. Call of <laughs> and, that, and that is that is one Migo from Cthulhu, not I have been eaten <laughs> by my, my Spanish friend. Uh, the... Other thing you can do, which this is, is a slightly higher power game. Uh, you get a little bit more in your hit points. You get more uh, like skill points, power points, things like that. And it unlocks at this level having powers. So things in Dragon Lines are generally, you know, Kung Fu based powers. Yeah. And then you obviously get the magic Kung Fu powers too, like... Air. Well, yeah, the book is weird because it has, like, boxing and... Air dragon style. Yeah, you're like, oh, well, I could either be someone who does capoeira, <laughs> which this takes place in, like, fantasy China. I'm not sure why I'm a master of capoeira, but I could do that. Or I could have, like, a million iron dragon style where I could, like, throw a mountain at someone. You're like, hmm, I wonder which one of these should I have? Well, it's also in the book, there is a note that says you might have a player that doesn't want a magic kung fu power because they want to be realistic. It's okay to let them do this, but maybe give them a little extra boost of power when they do. Yeah, you know, it's one of those uh, those people who's like, look, I, I don't have any powers. I'm Krillin. I'm just a human. I don't have any powers. <laughs> I'm in the springtime of my youth, and I don't have any power. I just I kick and punch real good. The springtime of your youth is terrible. Yep. The guy sensei has taught me how to punch people without any superpowers, so that's what I'm going to do. Excuse me, but a taijutsu is a superpower. No, it's just kicking and punching. But you get those special effects of tornadoes and whirlwinds. and. But, but I can open the gates. Yeah, that's your superpower. My superpower is I open up these gates, son. I'm about to open up some gates on your ass. Hey, there's a joke in Swalls of the South in which Seven Symphonious Chords has never been able to open a gate, and that is the ultimate way to stop him. Well, uh, so in addition to being slightly more powerful, uh, you also, one of the neat things in this is it's got like random roles for what happened when you were a kid and like what happened while you were growing up and when you were an adult and whatnot. So it just gives you, if you don't have a character, it has random roles where you can be like, and uh, then you were found by a roving band of ninjas. And you're like, what the fuck is this character? Hey, you love random tables. I fucking love random tables. Like, Tabers? Ha! Yeah, I love tabers. I love capers. I love tabers. I love tapirs. I love their little snouts. They're great. But random tables are also great because so much of the time, you know, I'll occasionally have a character where I go like, oh yeah, I know 100% what I want this dude to be. But sometimes I'm like, I want to just roll randomly and then attempt to justify what the dice have given me. Like with Gamma Crawl X. Oh, yeah. That's the best part of Gamma is you're just like, all right, why, what, how the fuck does this even remotely make sense? And then you just get to play make-believe and it's so much fun. Uh, what else do we got in here? You can, outside of being a human, be some weird stuff. So you could be like a ghost or a kitsune 
or spirit blooded or like an ogre or a giant or anything like that. And they'll give you, uh, rather than straight up changes to your stats, uh, they usually dictate like what your starting powers will be. So like, oh, if you're an ogre, you get just the power of increased size. So less that you're like rolling more dice for your size and more that just you have that power and stuff. They also have visual descriptive things. Like I'm pretty sure for Kitsune, they were like, your character might have the distinctive feature of red hair. Ooh, baby. You might have red hair and little little foxy ears and you might walk around being foxy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing with making a character in this that is a little different is one, you have to pick a martial art, like regardless of what you are, you have to pick one, even if you don't go very far into it. Uh, and the other is it does away with certain things from the base game. Uh, age doesn't matter in this at all because, you know, you should be able to be like, oh, I'm that 80-year-old super sensei that's a super badass, as well as I'm an 8-year-old kid that, like, kung fu kicks you in the face. Yep. You know, both of those tropes exist. Yep. Uh, and then I think the only other thing really in getting this is it does add some new, uh, like, abilities that weren't in the base game for, like, skills. But most of it is just crap that doesn't matter. Like, normally you have just melee. Like, if I'm going to punch someone, I just use, like, a brawl skill. And in this, because it's kung fu, you have to have the different skills for punch and kick and grab and throw and so on. (laughs) Because all of them will key off of your different abilities. Which is the fucking worst. (laughs) Yeah, I... In a game that already has just too many skills when they're like yeah and now add five different more to your attack skills why uh well some people love stupid shit and let me tell you it's everyone uh let's see the in addition to that i think that's basically it uh the setting for this is like i mentioned like fantasy china yeah it's basically fantasy china that took over probably korea and definitely japan yeah the it's kind of like when you play you know your standard lord of the rings-esque fantasy game and it's basically just like fantasy europe but this is fantasy china but fantasy china has korea and has japan so you can just be like fantasy asia but china's in control yeah that's kind of a weird thing for me in the fantasy asia genre is that either china or japan took over basically everybody else is the trope but sometimes only like one or two places get named yeah i feel like that's basically whatever the author was into more like if they're like oh i'm super into like the ancient Chinese dynasties, and so my fantasy Asia is just China, and then also they took over other places. Or if you're like, I'm real big into Japan, and I love that shit, then you're like, okay, Japan took over everyone. But the weird thing is, they never take over everyone, everyone. They're just like, we have conquered Asia, and we stop. 
And it's like, why? Europeans sometimes take over the whole world, but we just stop. Asians like me are just like, nah, I'm good with Asia. Why? I want the world, John. Oh, I know. I know you do. I know that the world is not enough for you. But the, I mean, it is a thing where you look at, like, the the Qin dynasty here, and it's like, oh, what's going on? Oh, they've got, like, super secret martial arts and, like, wizards that control geomancy, and there's, like, the dragon lines, the titular dragon lines that yeah. run throughout the world that give magic power and whatnot. And, you know, they've got all of this ability, but they haven't even been like, let's maybe go to... I don't know, India even, or like up into Mongolia and maybe Siberia or something. Like they just sort of went, oh no, we're going to take the standard current day borders of China, Japan, and Korea, and then we're good. We're yeah. fine. We don't like the white devils. And they're literally called the white devils in the book. Yeah. <laughs> Which, sure, why not? I've... I mean, honestly, whatever. If you're making a fantasy China and you want to make everyone from Europe white devils, I'm I'm on board. Oh, I'm on board too. But go conquer the white devils and show them the righteousness of your kung fu. <laughs> Subjugate these pale, non-kung fu using sons of bitches. Uh, the, uh, let's see. The various bits in this, they have... Like, a lot of ghosts is a thing that's in the Empire. Yeah, ghosts are more common than undead, it sounds. Like, there are a lot of undead monsters, but less undead living in town. But there are ghosts. Yeah, like, if you're in the actual Forbidden City, then it's like, oh, yeah, there's fucking ghosts everywhere. It gives a shit. Grandma's having dinner with us. Grandma has dinner with us every night. So... (laughs) Yeah, but Grandma's like a weird phantom, and she only eats my sadness. Uh, she's not even dead yet. I just, that's Grandma for you. Uh, the, the rest of it, when they're like, oh yeah, so China's basically great. Uh, we took over Japan, and Japan is very sad about it. I mean, I would be too. Yeah, Japan's just like, real fucking surly that China took them over, but they can't do anything about it. But it's uh, it's fine. They have that, that Hanzo steel. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember if there was anything specifically they said about Japan that was anything beyond, like, they are sad and also there are samurais. Yeah. And then it says, basically, that the fictional China people will sometimes give weird looks to the Japanese. Yeah, they're like, hey, buddy, how dare you be Japanese and be in China, even though we conquered you. Uh, and then Gaoli is what they, I believe they're calling Korea in this. Yeah, I think so. It's it's basically that, but it's like, oh, what's going on there? Meh. Uh, eh. They... They are a simple folk that live their life and they don't really participate in the China nonsense. You're like, okay, and? Yeah. And it's weird because the book also gives several things of like, hey, in this part of the empire, this is the daily life of things and this is what people do and this is like their free time and stuff. But 
ah, your dog is laying on my foot. <laughs> Yay, good dog. <laughs> uh, I have been petting him this entire time, and my shoe is covered in his dog fur. Well, and, that's uh, how you know it's a good dog. By how much he sheds. Yeah. Oh, good. He is not on my foot anymore. Thank you, Azrael. <laughs> uh, that is the danger of recording at my place instead of Jeff's place. Is uh, There's dog here. Yeah, but it's better than recording at my place, which is basically a volcano. Oh, yeah. Your place is possessed by weird fire demons, and they hate all living things and want them to die. Yeah. Uh, for the listeners who think that we are joking, John and I once recorded with Quinn and Rob Stith at my place, and we took a break, and I put an ice pack on Quinn, and he steamed. Oh, yeah. It was real concerning to be like, oh, we've been in this room for like an hour and I think we're all going to die now. Like putting an ice pack on Quinn and having it be like, Psh! that was that was some stuff. Yeah, I Quinn is my fiance. And so I got mildly terrified and insisted that we take a break because if ever someone wants to be scared, watch your friend <laughs> erupt into a mountain of steam. <laughs> uh so yeah, the uh, fuck were we talking about? We were talking about the daily life thing. Oh yes, and daily I was, life. I was trying to find the one where the daily life to me talked about gambling, and I was like, yeah, yeah, because like there's this one that is pretty boring. So in the imperial village, the pastime, while most villages respect the value of hard work, they also recognize the inborn human need to rest. Taking care of oneself is seen as a net benefit to the village as a whole. Yeah, treat yourself. I think America needs a lesson in that. Villagers throughout the empire enjoy a number of games. Even responsible adults find the time to play one sort or another every now and then. Conventional wisdom says it keeps them younger. And then it had things like flying kites is a game. <laughs> yeah, that's a game. And uh, and I'm going to win. I'm going to win the, the flying kite game because I'm going to have my kite destroy your kite. I put blades on my kite. My How kite's a motherfucker. I don't even have a kite, so I think you have one by default. Yeah, what up now? <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I think probably it's like Mahjong is one of the big things in there for gambling. Yeah, Go is in here a lot, but if anyone is gambling on Go, then... Dude, that's great. <laughs> I would love if Go made it to like Vegas and just became a big thing there. I would not because I am terrible but would want to play. See, but that would be great. You could be like, all right, I'm going to play some other idiot at Go and we'll just sit here being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Why Why are stones? <laughs> Especially the way you have to lay the stones down. That is one of the things that I have the biggest problem with. So Digital Go is my best friend when it comes to trying to play. Yeah, there you go. You could They could have like a video poker. They'd have Video Go. There we go. Video Go. Video Go. There you go. Okay, Go. <laughs> uh, the book has... Like we mentioned, a ton of different martial arts in it. Uh, most of them will give you like a baseline. These are sort of the abilities you get. So if you're playing one that's like super defensive, it might be like, oh, you get a bonus like 20% to your dodge if you do a certain thing or uh, you have more hit points or you just have permanent armor or whatever it is. Uh, and then they all unlock 
certain powers. Most of them are just from the main rule book as like superpowers. So it would be like stunning blow, which is like one of the special earth dragon style techniques. And you get 10% to club or punch or knockout. Great. And then, you know, you might also get like, oh, I've got an air dragon style that gives me like limited flight. And then instead of it being in the book, you just go find the superpower of flight and you'd get like a limited version of it. Yeah, there are a lot of things in the book that basically say it's the same as the basic role playing book. Well, yeah, I mean, it like anything that is based on whatever generic system you're using, they're going to be like, hey, please make sure you buy the regular book because we aren't actually published by Chaosium and we don't want to get sued. Yeah. Uh, the base, uh, nonsense in this for that, uh, I think there are a few powers that are in this book that aren't in the basic role-playing game. Yeah, no, there are some, like, strangely enough, never surprised is one that's in this. Nice. Um, which is basically like it sounds. Your character is never surprised like they can't be ambushed snuck up on or otherwise surprised so basically your character is john what me yeah i have never spooked you and i've popped out several times oh yeah i i don't get spooked it's i went to uh the universal horror nights thing where they have like those horror mazes and you run around and people are jumping out of things and they're all themed around whatever and the entire time i was there like Universal does an amazing job on them. Like, they're super nice looking and the costuming is great because, you know, it's an actual, you know, movie theater. Yeah. Well, movie theater. It's movie a movie production theater. company. Oh, uh, it's not a movie theater? This I mean, they do have time. a movie theater there. Okay. <laughs> I'd be very disappointed if Universal Studios didn't have at least one movie theater. They do. They have one. and It's in the Universal City Walk. Ah, I'm... It is uh, kind of disappointing that it's not in Hogwarts. No, no. But there, there is a Voodoo Donuts now there, which is great. Ooh, that sounds amazing. Uh, there is... So yeah, just going through that, it was me and a friend that is even taller than I am and that doesn't get spooked. So we would like walk through these mazes and it would either be someone would not try at all. Like they would come out and just go for people that were in front or behind us. Cause you really want to get that, uh, the scream out of people. Yeah. Or you'd have people that were like really determined to get one of us, like to the point where they were like chasing after us, just trying. We're like, come on, dude, chill out. Oh, there's in one of them. One of the guys like jumps out at me and I don't react really. I'm like, cool. And he, like, keeps going and, like, grabs onto my arm. And he was so sweaty. Ew. I was just like, oh, man, now I just feel bad for you because you're in this ridiculously hot, like, horror maze for hours at a time in this weird getup. I'm sorry, bro. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, I'm never surprised, ever. Mm -hmm. Nothing ever surprises me. Sometimes people are like, hey, you're a good person. And I'm like, whoa, that's surprising. But I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, whenever John and I play anything at the table, and I'm like, I'm going to do this. John is the one person is the, 
ah, John is the one person who is like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, go for it. It's wonderful. I love it. I love everything about it. Yep. Whereas other people are sometimes like, why? Like, how did you even get there? I will, I will yes and whatever happens at my gaming table. I do not care. I mean, I, I occasionally care more if I'm the GM, just because I'm like, please don't destroy my world. I don't destroy worlds. It's just everyone is like, great, we're all going right, right? And my character's like, but left, guys. Left is a direction. But have you seen left? It looks so dark and spooky and like we're totally going to find treasure at the end of it. Yeah, that's what happens. That's the, the old fable, the treasure at the end of the spooky road. That's that's what it is. I mean, the Beast Castle was at the end of the spooky road, so... And the real treasure there was the friends they made along the way. It really was. Uh, Dragon Lines. It's Dra- a book. Dragon Lines is a book that we read. Dragon Lines has more nonsense in it i'm trying to think of what else is in this garbage book um environmental effects oh good uh you know i almost always skip over the environmental effects in any given book this is a little behind the scenes knowledge (laughs) of what we do when we're reading one of these books because i'd say 90 percent of the time it's just I feel like it almost never comes up, and then if it does, someone doesn't open the book. Like, if one of my characters is like, oh, someone used a fire attack on me, and I am on fire, no one is cracking open the book to be like, oh, what's the fire rules? They're like, all right, you take, you know, whatever the damage the attack was, and then, I guess, like, another D6 in your round, whatever. No, you stop, drop, and roll like everyone was taught in elementary school because people catch on fire all the time, so we have to be drilled in to stop, drop, and roll. We are so flammable. How are we so flammable? We're basically just water. What's going on with that? (laughs) I don't know, but my childhood made me think that I would constantly run into quicksand and see people be set on fire. Why quicksand? Was it just like from cartoons? Yeah, like movies and cartoons were always there. And it was this weird thing where my friends and I, because we saw it on TV so much, we would constantly pretend we were going through the jungle and one of us got into quicksand. And so as a group, we'd be like, no, 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 it's much harder. We need to get like a rope and we need like all of us except for the person in the quicksand. And oh, no, we didn't pull fast enough. So the first person stuck in the quicksand. And so the fact that there is no quicksand so far in my adult life is both a blessing and kind of disappointing. I mean, as far as I remember, like, quicksand in the way that we think of quicksand doesn't exist anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you might find, like, a very muddy swamp, but the idea that there's going to be just a sand that sucks you under is... I don't know why that is an idea that somehow clung to our collective unconscious, but we're just like, yeah, fucking quicksand. It's out there. It's going to get you. You know what? It might be out there somewhere. (laughs) Somewhere my dreams will come true. Here in Never Never Land, we're going to find quicksand and and it'll be... It'll be great. Everyone will be on fire. Yep. Uh, And they will quickly be put out by stopping, dropping, and rolling. Oh, yeah. That's all you need to do. If you're on fire and you just drop down and then roll around on the ground, you're fine. Nothing happens to you. Yeah. And also, it's totally okay to use a fire extinguisher on people. They definitely will not suffocate. Yep. That's great. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, TV. (laughs) 
Uh, that... But yeah, most of the time, I feel like unless you find something goofy in environmental rules, because sometimes it'll be like the the drowning rules from D and D, where there's no way to stop drowning in the rules. So as soon as you begin, you are just doomed to drown forever. Or there was at least I think it was the Jroden Chronicles that we just did a while ago, where the damage for, like, heat went up exponentially to the point where it'd be like, oh, in this round, you're taking, like, one damage per round until you can get cooler. And then you'd go up, like, three stages and be like, now you are taking 1,000 damage per round. (laughs) Yeah, no, environmental effects are a thing. And I am lucky enough that both as a GM uh, and as a player, I haven't dealt with them. There's something that just, as a rule, we're like, yeah, no, see... It's not raining to make it harder for you to shoot your arrows. It's raining because that's a cool setting thing to do for this battle. Yeah, I feel like unless your game is about, like, survival in the wilderness and it's a very gritty, like, naked and afraid the RPG. Yeah. Like, at that point, maybe, sure, you can have the rules for, like, oh, this is what happens with starvation and, you know, this is what happens with exposure and... And that's a big part of this game. But I feel like every time I see that, it's like, oh, what's this game? We're playing super cool space adventures and we're all like cool space heroes in space and we shoot lasers and we fight aliens. Also, here are the rules for what happens if you're dehydrated. I'm like, why? Who gives a shit? Yeah. When have I been watching fucking like Star Wars or Battlestar Galactica and someone's like... Mm, I've taken 2d6 damage because I'm thirsty. I mean, I shouldn't say Battlestar Galactica because hunger was a big deal on that show, but whatever, (laughs) fuck it, I don't care. I mean, in Star Wars, The Last Jedi, they did make a point of showing us that Luke gets thirsty sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, at least Luke's got them them titties (laughs) for that green milk, the delicious green milk. Oh, yeah. Uh, What else is in this book? There's, Uh, oh yeah, everyone has, instead of an alignment, uh, characters follow a... Noble path. Yeah, like a philosophical path that you go on, and they're all just sort of not religion. Uh, You have, like, the celestial bureaucracy is the main one that the people of, like, the Qin dynasty are following, And that's all just like everyone has their place and everyone needs to do their job. And if you work in the government, then it's good because the government is a low end part of like heaven's bureaucracy. And if you follow the celestial bureaucracy, uh, you basically automatically go to heaven. Yeah, they're like, good job. You you get to be a low level functionary in heaven's office building, which I got to say for all of the different afterlife options that exist, the fucking celestial bureaucracy is straight garbage because they're like, oh yeah, if you live your life right, 
the whole time, then when you die, you get to do paperwork. Yeah, congratulations. You work at Heaven's DMV. Yeah, great. Thank you. I'm very glad that I can be up here being a heavenly paper pusher. That's exactly what I wanted. Whereas in the path of enlightenment, you automatically become a godlike being and you help other people through the path. Well, the path of enlightenment is not Buddhism. And not Buddhism is basically like, go around until you reach nirvana. And then once you do, you're you're basically like super Buddha and you fly around helping people get their Buddha nonsense on. Yeah. And then... The way uh, goes to a heavenly Xi'an and spreads chi around the world. Everybody gets some chi. Um, and then the Yama kings, um, when they die, they become a person in hell, uh, overseeing the damned and keeping them from escaping. Yeah, because the Yama kings is the path that is uh, basically the Yama kings are lording over death. So you're the person that goes around and uh, usually like if, if someone is an executioner, they're probably a follower of a, the Yama Kings. They also uh, hate the undead and want the natural order to be the way that things go and also probably hate ghosts, even though that's like the norm, the norm in the dynasty is they're like, no, nah, ghosts are great. Everyone loves our ancestors. They're hanging out and helping us. And the. Yama King followers are like, yeah, but fuck that shit. They shouldn't be here. Pretty much. And then the final one is corruption, where when you die, you become a hungry ghost. Which, a weird thing for me about this is hungry ghosts can become hopping vampires, and I'm not used to it begun like happening like that. That's a um, very weird progression. Yeah, so what happens is a hungry, like if your body is not, properly buried um a hungry ghost can come along and take over your body which will turn you into a hopping vampire um and hopping vampires are the shit you can also become a hopping vampire by getting bitten by another hopping vampire um but they're pretty cool personally oh yeah no i i dig hopping vampires they are a weird version of the vampire myth that is sort of pervasive in most cultures and they're adorable and i have the hopping vampire skin for may and overwatch nice um one of my favorite hopping vampire movies is mr vampire oh mr vampire <laughs> bring me a dream <laughs> Um, so what is what is Mr. Vampire? Because I do not know what this is. I know, and it makes me so sad. That I have not heard of Mr. Vampire. I know. John Carpenter's Mr. Vampires? It's not John Carpenter. <laughs> um, God, it is an old Chinese movie from like the 80s. Sweet. Um, so it's about as old as you. Nice. <laughs> um, that means it's uh, great. That's oh, a great year for stuff to come out. It is a great year for stuff to come out. <laughs> The 80s is a great year for stuff to come yep. out. The whole 80s is one year. It is. Yep. That's why it happened so quickly and no one really remembers it. Exactly. That's why I'm not in my 30s because the 80s were just one year. This is absolutely true. <laughs> Anyone who says otherwise is a liar and probably a flat earther. Probably. Mm -hmm. One of them dirty flat earthers. <laughs> um, for real though, Mr. Vampire is basically there is a 
Taoist who is hired by this guy to dig up the guy's dad to be reburied um, elsewhere so that way the family can prosper. And what happens is when they dig up the guy's dad, um, his body is really well preserved. And so the Taoist thinks that he is a vampire. Um, and the suspicion is like it's been a long time since I've seen this. I was in middle school, but I'm pretty sure they think that the reason why he became a vampire is because he was really angry when he died. And so he held in his last breath. Um, And that was enough to like preserve him and like morph him into a vampire. Um, I need to rewatch that movie because I'm not positive, but I think that's how it went. But anyways, there are hopping vampires in the beginning of the movie as well, but they all have the tal- the paper talismans on their head. And okay, I, I know you said paper talismans, but I was like, they all got them paper towels on their head. <laughs> yeah, they have paper towels on their head. Yeah, obviously. They're all very brawny vampires. Yeah. Ah, ah. I know. Um, but it's... It's adorable because they, after a fight with the vampires, because the paper towels <laughs> are knocked off their heads, they are all like bell ringed to hop away. And there's this one vampire that is trying to hop up the steps and he just can't hop high enough. And it's huh? so cute uh, because one of the other apprentices comes up and he's just like, okay, here we go. And he like lifts the hopping vampire while the vampire's hopping to like get him up the steps. Huh? And it's so cute. <laughs> That's great. Um, but yeah, that is... There's more to the movie, but that's probably my favorite part is when the guy lifts the vampire <laughs> who is hopping. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've got hopping vampires in the game. There's a whole bestiary of stuff that you could find and fight. There are no Yuki Ona, though. There are no Yu-Gi-Ohs. That is correct. <laughs> no one believes in the heart of the cards. It's a very disappointing world if there is no heart of the cards. There's uh, a small section in the back as well that is all about the I Ching, which I was like, why is this in your weird fantasy kung fu game? Because we did a lot of research on that and we want to show it. Guys, I love China and here's the I Ching. Yep. Uh, Yeah, I think that basically does or is there anything else in dragon lines that you wanted to discuss i mean i was glad that they Uh, had nope bad puppy (laughs) i was glad that they had kitsune but also those are very cliche um and they did not have any kumio which are the korean kitsune basically but they're so much cooler because what happens is they live as a fox for a thousand years and it is because they have stored up Azrael. down <laughs> it's because they've stored up a bunch of energy from having lived a thousand years that they like kind of ascend to being these things and they're better because they eat people (laughs) that's why they're better kitsune just mostly play pranks on people in my experience correct me if i'm wrong and they also fuck yes so much fucking (laughs) kitsune are down to bone and that's why everyone loves kitsune i mean kumio are also dtf (laughs) all them fox spirits are like yeah obviously let's go yeah I can look like a human. I'm fuckable. Let's do this. Uh, so there you go. There's there's Dragon Lines. Uh, anything we didn't cover, we will, of course, 
covering our bonus content that'll be coming up. Uh, we made characters, so we will be doing that. But let me at least finish up the standard stuff we do at the end of one of these episodes. Josette, what was your favorite thing in Dragon Lines? My favorite thing in Dragon Lines. I'm not going to lie. It was probably the hopping vampires. <laughs> Just because they exist. Yep. Uh, they're just, they're a weird, cute thing. They're a weird, cute thing. Um, they're terrifying, theoretically. Like, I would not ever want to actually run into a hopping vampire. But they're a cool, nifty thing. And then the book has them be like, we are the dumb minions that will probably fuck shit up. Which makes sense because, in my experience, most movies and stuff with hopping vampires are comedic horrors yeah because i mean just the idea of a thing that can only chase you by hopping after you is kind of silly so you know i get why it's normally in comedy horror yeah there is also a cool thing with some of hop like some of the hopping vampires at least where if you hold your breath or else plug its nose it doesn't know where you are oh okay yeah uh, I'm going to go ahead and say my favorite thing in this. Actually, something I forgot to mention until now. I love that they have mook rules in this. Yes. Uh, I like any game that lets you have, like, 4th Ed D&D had minions. Uh, Exalted has, like, extras. Anything where it's, we can put just low power fodder for the PCs to dunk on in order to make a scene seem like they are way cooler. I appreciate that. It lets you have large fight scenes without them bogging down because you can just be like, all right, all the mooks are one group and you can just sort of pick them off at your leisure. Yes, that is always a good thing. It is one of the things that I like about the Exalted Battle Groups. Yeah, anytime a game lets you have like multiple people as just a group so that you don't have to be like, all right, let me roll for 20 different little like gang members that are going to try and fight you. That's always nice. Yeah, that and it makes combat go faster in my experience and you're not having like a three hour combat to oh, yeah. take down a bunch of local neighborhood thugs. Uh, what would you say is your least favorite thing in Dragon Lines? What was the worst part of the book? Well, the worst part of the book was something I didn't bring up, and it is the fact that the book has a fuck ton of background shit with the text printed on top. It is in grayscale, people. Do not set a parchment background on your grayscale printed book. I will hate you. Oh my god, yeah. the Every page in this has the background is basically like crinkly parchment is what they were going for but all it does is add a bunch of noise to the background when you're trying to read so it's just like oh we put it on dark gray paper and black ink and then little crinkly black lines all over the place so you know you can still read it but good lord it is it's difficult it's a pain in the ass yeah and they went through the trouble of adding this dragon uh, behind the numbers of the pages. And because it's on that stupid parchment print, it's just, it doesn't stand out and pop as much as it would if they would have just not fucking done that bullshit. Oh, yeah. It basically looks like a big black blob behind yeah. the numbers. 
But John, what is your least favorite thing about Dragon Lines? Uh, probably my least favorite thing in Dragon Lines is... I mean, I would also go with the editing in this is real bad. Uh, I mean, I appreciate that they at least did their homework on China instead of just making it be some bullshit. But I think the paths that you follow that we were talking about, like the not Buddhism and not Confucianism and all of the various religions that exist... There's a giant chart of what every action gives you. Because you're not just like, oh, I've got, you know, level five not Buddhism and eventually I'll reach level six. You're like, oh, no, you've got points in all of them. So like, oh, I punched a guy in anger. All right, well, that's three points for the Yama Kings and three points for corruption and minus one point for the enlightenment path. And you're like, I don't. I don't want to keep track of literally every action I do for, like, seven different paths. Yeah. That is a little bit too much bookkeeping, and I'll pass. Thanks. Yeah, no kidding. So, would you play Dragon Lines in the BRP system? Gosh, John, that is such a very difficult question. I know. You'll have to think about that for a while, I'm sure. I will. Holy smokes. I was actually talking to my friend about this, and her argument was, but I'm sure the people who wrote it worked very, very hard. And I was like, just because you work hard on something does not mean it is good. And that- I know, just see this podcast for evidence of that. Uh, I think you mean to say that your podcast is amazing <laughs> and comes naturally. Yeah, just like me. Yes. <laughs> Everywhere we go, it is so hard to be like, no, John, you have to put on clothes. We're going to a baby shower. But I want to come naturally. I know you do, buddy. I know you do. <laughs> no, uh, I would not play Dragon Lines. There are, it has some interesting setting stuff, and they have some cute little adventures in the back that are adorable little things for if your GM is having a brain fart. But there are so many games out there that do it better and don't have 10 million skills. Yeah, I would I would be along the same line. If I wanted to do this type of game, there are so many things out there, whether I wanted to do like a high-powered exalted thing, or I wanted to do feng shui, or I wanted to do like the wuja combat, I could do that. There are so many better systems. I, I've i never been a fan of the Chaosium stuff, I'll be honest. Yeah. So yeah, I probably wouldn't play Dragon Lines either. I think I'm not a fan because of Call <clears throat> of Cthulhu, where your character is just skewered. Yeah, you're just garbage, and you die. Yep. That is, if to anyone who ever plays a basic role-playing game, don't get too attached to your character. They're very fragile. Yeah, just, just it's fine. They're going to die. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so thank you so much for listening. As I mentioned earlier, we do have bonus content coming up. We made characters. Uh, if you support us on Patreon, then you can unlock that bonus content. We are at patreon.com slash systemmastery. Go there, support us at a dollar or more. You unlock the bonus content for this show. And if you go up to the $2 or more level, we do have bonus content for one of our other shows, Expounded Universe. You unlock that on a weekly basis. You basically get six shows 
a month extra just for the $2 per show thing. So for $4 a month, you get six extra shows. Plus, you help us out. You help us keep the lights on. You help Jeff's baby stay alive. You help me, Jeff's other baby, stay alive. It's fine. Hey, folks. Diapers are very expensive. And you need so many. I need... So many diapers. I mean... I'm going to put them on Asriel and then parade them around and everyone's going to be like, ooh, what a baby. Really, I think that uh, it depends how many diapers you need. Uh, So yeah, go ahead and check out us on patreon.com slash system mastery. If you want to see any of our shows, movie mastery, expounded universe, check out our old afterthought episodes. All of our stuff can be found on our website, systemmasterypodcast.com and of course if you want to talk to us find us anywhere we are system mastery on facebook twitter system mastery at gmail.com and we have our own subreddit r slash system mastery and joe is there anything you want to plug that you've got coming up i mean i am literally leaving your house to go record an episode of the orpheus protocol so gonna plug that a bit and uh, I'm on Swallows of the South, as John has said, so I'm going to plug that. If anyone, for some strange reason, wants to follow me, I tweet real boring shit about the food that I've made and that Quinn is a giant dork and I love him, uh, and that I'm definitely not the mom friend. <laughs> Such the mom friend. Not the mom friend. But you can find me on Twitter at Fallon underscore Ferone, which is F. A-L-L-I-N underscore F-O-R-O-N-E. There you go. So thank you again so much for listening. We love your support, and thank you for supporting us while Jeff is off on baby leave. We will be back with another episode of System Mastery in a couple weeks, but until then, you have a good one.